0: Amen. Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, uh, and if you uh, didn't bring your Bible this morning, it's on page 788 in that red Bible right in front of you there in the book rack. You know, I like this time of the year. It, uh, it always challenges me, and I get these thoughts about, hey, what can I... Uh, what changes need to be made in my life? What improvements can I make for the next new year? Uh, I'm ahead of the. I'm the head of the curve this year. Usually, it takes me the month of January to recover from December before I can even think that we're in a new year. I was looking through my prayer materials uh, at home, and I have uh, in the year 2006. I have it written in there. I, it took me till March. To set my goals for the new year, so I'm really happy about this year. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you today about putting on a new life for a new year. And we want to begin reading this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, and he's pouring his heart out to one of his favorite churches because he spent an awful lot of time there. Uh, this was his church, and you know, when you have a church, somehow it, it has a special place in your heart. And so he's like bearing his soul to this church. And he says in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles of the world walks in the futility of their mind. I'd like to, for you to underline the word walk there because we're going to talk a little bit about it today and a lot about it next week. The word walk denotes their lifestyle. He says, listen, you just have to change your lifestyle now that you've become a follower of Christ. And uh, in verse 18, it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness or the hardness of their heart. Those two verses fit together perfectly because, uh, you know, our heart responds from our mind. Our feelings are a result of how we think. And he said, listen, the world's not thinking on the right on the right path, and so therefore their heart is becoming hardened. He says, listen, I don't want you to walk like that. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. And I've underlined those two words in my Bible because... Uh, This is the final analysis here of verse number 17 and verse number 18. If you don't think right and your heart becomes hardened, what happens? Well, uh, you become a person that gravitates toward uncleanness and greediness because the world then starts to revolve around you and not the right priorities that God has set for us. In verse 20 he says, But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off, and I'd like for you to underline the word put off there because that's important. Uh, He says, now listen, as a believer you have to get rid of some things. Take it off, just like you're taking your jacket off when you get to come home. Take it off. Put off concerning the former conduct, lifestyle. The old man. You know, I've heard people around the church refer to their life before Christ as... Uh, that's that's my former life. I've heard him refer to their former life, B.C., before Christ. He says, listen, you've got to put off the former life, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on. Now, Paul says, listen, take it off, put it on. And here we get the topic of our message today, verse 20. Put on the new man which was created according to God, God says here, through Paul, I have a new man for you to put on. Just uh, just visualize taking that jacket and putting it on. It's a new person. God wants to dress us up as a new individual, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, this is so interesting to me right here. Righteousness and holiness are synonyms. Uh But how comparative is this compared to the result of verse number 19? Look back there. Uncleanness and greediness. And so he says, listen, I want to take uncleanness and greediness away from you, and I want to turn it in to righteousness and holiness. Boy, what a transformation that is. He said, I want you to take this off, put this on, and... uh, and then he gets, talks about some practical things. He says, therefore, put away, uh, put off, put on, put away, lying, each one, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Uh, You know, if I could summarize everything that verse number 17 through the end of the chapter says in a banner and kind of string it right across the front of the church, it would look like this. You are a child of God, now become a child of God. That's how this whole process works. Uh, God has adopted us into His family. Adoption is a wonderful thing. God looked down one day and said, listen, I want you and you and you and you. I want to choose you for my family. Wow. Now, we don't have to be a part of God's family. We can resist that because we have a free will. But God chose us to be be his child. We are a part of the family of God. And so Paul is saying here, now I want you to become a child of God. I I want you to walk in an appropriate way to be a child of God. God's children walk differently in the world. We've been introduced to Christ, now we have to start to follow Him. We've joined the family, now we have to learn how to live the life. And you know, that's a lifelong struggle, it really is. I was talking to somebody in the first service, and they were like beating themselves up. I know you haven't done that lately. They were like beating themselves up because they didn't feel like they could measure up to other people's expectations or even their own expectations. And they were just like having a bad day. And uh, I tried to convey to them that, listen, this journey that we're on is a lifetime journey. Uh, This is from now to the end of the road. Let me show you that here in Ephesians. Turn over to chapter 5, verse 10. Look what it says here. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's what we're trying to do. Learn what pleases the Lord. Uh, that's a learning process. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'm still learning. And, and you know, the exciting thing about, about my spiritual journey is I'm, I'm learning a whole lot more than I used to learn. And so he says, listen, I want you to learn what pleases the Lord. Look over to verse number 17, Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Find out what the Lord wants you to do. And that's that's the journey that all of us are on in this church. We have said yes to the adoptive process. God says, I want you. And we said, hey, that's great. Here I am. Take me, Lord. Uh, We've said yes to that process. Now, God says, now I want you to learn how to walk as a member of my family. And it begins with what we call the great exchange. That's the way I, I like to term it. And what is the great exchange? It is my sins for God's righteousness. And the verse that the great exchange is extracted from is Second Corinthians 5.21. And so let's read it together, okay? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The Lord, of course, knew no sin. God placed our sin on His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and because of that, we can become the righteousness of God through Him. In other words, this was the exchange. Our sin for His righteousness. Our sin was charged to Christ's account. And His righteousness then is credited to our account. I've mentioned to you before, whenever I Came to Christ as a young kid growing up in Pittsburgh. Uh, whenever I came to the Lord, this is the exchange that I made. I, uh, I gave Christ my sins, and He gave me by His grace His righteousness. That was the exchange. What did I have to offer to God when I came to Him? Did I have anything to offer to Him? Nothing but my sin. And so I brought my sins to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I have offended you, I have broken your law, I deserve the penalty. And so I said, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? And what's the answer when we come in humble faith? What's the Lord say to us? Sure. Uh, Lord, will you forgive me of my sin? And uh, he said, yes, and he said, and here, by the way, is my righteousness. I have declared you righteous. Now, now that's a bigger thought than I can really take in. He didn't make me perfectly righteous. He just declared me righteous. He just said, John, from now on, based on your faith in me, you are a righteous person in my eyes. Not in my own eyes, because I look in the mirror every day and I know who I am. I know who I am on the inside. But God says, listen, I have a new view of you, because Jesus has taken all of your sins away, and as far as I'm concerned, you are declared righteous in my sight. Uh, We've been justified. Uh, When I was a kid growing up, preachers used to always say, hey, listen, there's a way that you can remember what the big word justification means. It means just as though you've never sinned. And I thought, well, that makes sense, And, and I... I now look back in retrospect and say, hey, they were really right. That's that's what it means. Uh, When we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, God looks at us as though we have never sinned. Now, we don't look at ourselves that way, but that's the way God looks at us. Uh, We've been justified before God. And so what Paul is saying right here is because you've been justified before God, now I want you to be justified before men, the world. Uh, and so I want you to walk out of this old lifestyle. And that's what many of you are doing in the first the year. Uh, you're deciding right now some of these things that you're going to walk away from in your life. And listen, as long as you are a believer in the Lord, there are things in your life that God leads you to walk away from. And so you're wrestling with that right now. What am I going to walk away from in this new year? Uh, what am I going to turn away from? And so we use the word for, for alliteration's sake, verse 22, put off concerning the former lifestyle. What are you going to walk away from? Uh, what are the things that are going to drop out of your life this year? What are the things you're going to like take off and put down and walk away from? Uh, that's what God, I think, has for all of us. Uh, Verse number 19 way up there in Ephesians 4 says that these people were past feeling. Uh, You know, even in the body of Christ, the church, we we can come and be a part of the environment, but the environment won't change you. It'll only convict you. We can come and be a part of the church environment and feel bad most of the time because of that. God doesn't want that. He wants us to feel bad and to be challenged and then to change. And as we change, that's that's when happiness really comes to us. That's when joy really comes into our life. Uh, And so let's view life, the beginning of this year, as putting off the former lifestyle in every single one of us in this room have something that we would, I'm sure God wants us to lay down, take off for this year. But uh, but then we have this other thing, verse 24, put on the new man. And it's interesting, in verse number 24, it says, the new man is created according to God. God doesn't want us to turn over a new leaf. God doesn't want us to turn our life around, because that's all short-lived. He wants us to be a part of His creation. Uh, He wants us to be a part of His new creation. He wants to make us completely over again, a new makeover for the new year. And here's the great verse and I, I hope you'll memorize it one of these days, 2 Corinthians 5 17. Let's read this together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, Behold, all things have become new. Now, this doesn't mean that old things pass away like that and everything becomes new like that, because we've just shown you that Christianity is a learning process. But what God does give us immediately is the aptitude to change. He gives us the aptitude to change by giving us a new mind. And remember, wasn't that the problem with the world up here in verse number 17? These people were walking in the futility of their mind. They couldn't think right. Now, what, what, whenever we are saved, God plants in our head a new mind. And what mind is that? Let's look at it. Philippians 2.5. Let's read it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I submit to you today that the day that you open your heart to Christ, that God gives you a new mind, and you're going to see life differently from that single day on, you're going to think differently, and many of you have been drastically changed in your thinking immediately. He gives us this tremendous opportunity to see life through God's perspective, uh, I, I hear people all the time saying, listen, man, I just think so much differently now than I used to think. Of course, we're in a different wavelength. He has created us anew. He has given us the mind of Christ. Wow, isn't that a tremendous thought? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What that means is I want you to have the attitude of Christ. I want you to think like Christ. Uh, and so we're His creation. He gives us this mind and, and He also gives us a new heart. I was reading uh, yesterday in the book of Ezekiel. Man, I'll tell you what. All of this fighting in the Middle East, uh, whenever you read the book of Ezekiel, it looks like you're living there. It looks like it's, it's being fulfilled right in front of our eyes. Every time the Middle East blows up, uh, you know, I want to go to those prophecies in Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones... All of those things. But in Ezekiel, there was this ancient prophecy, and I think we have that, don't we? Let's read it. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, this is an ancient prophecy, but it's fulfilled in the church today. I will give you a new heart. Remember? What was their problem up here in verse number 18? They had a hard heart. It was a heart of stone. And so now, God says, listen, I'm going to give you a new heart, and it's a soft heart. It's a pliable heart. And so when we accept Jesus as our Savior, He takes the heart-heartedness out of us and puts in our heart this soft heart. And, you know, some of us are really soft. And, you know, that, ena- that enables us to feel so much more the pain of life. And I, sometimes it bothers us, doesn't it? We have compassion fatigue. You know, a hard-hearted person just kind of goes along their way and nothing affects them. But a soft-hearted person, all sorts of things affect them. If somebody is abusing some person or somebody's taking advantage of some person, it hurts a soft-hearted person. It just tears you up. God's given you that heart. And so, uh, and so he says, listen, I want you to put on this new lifestyle. I want you to use your new mind. Uh, I want you to use your new heart. And, and don't just let it be a thing that bothers you all the time for the ills of the world, Uh, let it be a prompter for you to be be engaged in healing some of the hurts of the world. Uh, Now, our faith is personal, but here in Ephesians, God says it's not private. Now, verse number 22 says put off. Verse 24 says put on. Look at verse 25. Therefore, put away. He says, now I'm going to get practical with you. I want you to put away. Look at it. Put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. One of the greatest temptations that you and I face is to bend the truth. It really is. Because we live in a world that is very untruthful. And if we decide to live by the, on the basis of truth, we're on a different playing field than they are. Some of you guys are looking at me, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, they're, They're over there building their company, bending all the rules, and you're trying to compete with them, and you're trying to do your best to go straight, and you have different playing fields. Well, here the Bible says, listen, put away lying, be truthful. Let each one speak truth with his neighbor. You know, years ago, you used to hear the statement, a person is only as good as their what? As their word, right? You don't hear that much anymore relationships need to be built on trust and honesty. Uh, I was uh, studying for this message and I was looking through uh, a commentary and it had some ancient statements that uh, people said back during this time about lying. And here are a few. A lie is better than a hurtful truth. That's what they believe. Uh, Good is better than truth. When telling a lie will be profitable, let it be told. Well... You know, we certainly can't be surprised at their culture. uh, Because I'll tell you what, if you go out into our world, it's one lying place out there. And so the Lord says here, I want you to be a truth teller. And you know what that means? That means you're going to take more hits. That means you're going to probably lose more money. Or it could mean that you may gain more money. Maybe the Lord will bless you because you're truthful. But whatever it means... Uh, we have to do, don't we, what the Lord tells us to do. Um, and so he says, listen, I want you to, to be people of honesty. And, you know, let's go back to the soft-hearted thing because whenever you're not a person of honesty, doesn't it really bother you? You know, if you just kind of tweak it a little bit, it's really not that bad. It's like it hurts a lot, doesn't it? You say, oh, why did I do that? Why, why do not I just completely stand up for the truth? Uh, Look at the next thing, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. Uh, What does this mean? Put away anger with sinfulness. You know, there is such a thing as righteous anger. Whenever you're mad, you always claim that, right? Uh, But anger is a natural response. Uh, actually, these first two words here are a command. Really, be angry. Sometimes it's appropriate to just get mad and angry. Uh, that's righteous anger. Uh, so many of the decisions, positive decisions that I've made in my life, were a result. Is I just got mad enough to make a decision. I said, "Listen, that's not going to happen anymore." I'm mad. I'm angry. And so I'm going to make something positive out of it. I think the average person, if you ask the average person out there, is it, is it a sin to be angry? They'd probably say, oh, yeah, the Bible teaches against that. Well, that's not the whole teaching of the Bible. Part of the teaching of the Bible is to, to be angry. And there's uh, plenty of uh, reason to believe that. Uh, when you look at, at God in the Old Testament, He was mad most of the time. For instance, in Ezekiel 36.5, it says, My jealous anger is on fire against the nations. That sounds to me like he's mad. Uh, look over to uh, Ephesians 5.6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. God is angry. Exodus 4.14 says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Moses felt the anger of God. But what, what Paul is telling us here is this. Yeah, you can be angry, but don't let it become unrighteous. And then he tells, gives a little clue on how to do that. Don't let the sun go down on your what? Your wrath. Uh, and why did he say that? Uh, because he wants you to get a good night's sleep, that's why. It's hard to sleep when you're mad, isn't it? And I'm not going to ask you how many times you've laid awake all night just mad, just angry, just boiling. Uh, we all need our sleep. But more than that, uh, in the Bible, the, the ancient Jewish people prayed three times a day. Uh, Psalm fifty-five, seventeen says this, Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and the Lord will hear my voice. And so I think it's a good thing to pray at night before we go to... It calms your spirit. It really does. And so, what he's saying is, listen, <coughs> if you're angry, I want you to try to get this out of your system before you talk to me. Now, there is this verse in the New Testament that is really interesting. Look at it. First Timothy 2.8. Let's read this, all right? I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, anger and controversy. God says, when you pray, and back in ancient times, many people prayed like that, and you can't do that very long because your hands get heavy very quickly. But what what that means is this, is when it comes time to pray, God says, do not pray to me with an angry heart. Because you know what anger is? Anger is unforgiveness. You are mad. You are angry about something, some person, some event. Uh, Listen, he says here, When you pray to me, look at your hands. Is there anger there? Is there controversy there? Is there disputes there? I want you to get this worked out before you pray to me. Now, this fits perfectly with Matthew 6.12. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so God says, listen, if you have anger on your hands at night when you go to pray to me, I don't want you to pray with me like that. I want you to get rid of that anger. I want you to forgive these people that have hurt you. And forgiveness, let me say it again. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Please, please, please remember that. It's not forgetting. It's going on. It's moving on. It's letting the offender go free so that you can go free. And so and so what God is saying is listen at nighttime, don't let the sun go down on your rat, on your anger. Get rid of this. Look at your hands before you pray, look at your hands. Are you holding on to an unforgiving spirit, let it go, and then pray to me. And letting it go means forgiving. Forgiving is a wonderful thing, and you might say, boy, I've forgiven so many times. (laughs) How many people feel that way? Sure. That's what life is all about. It's all about forgiving. Uh, Because if it isn't, you know what happens? It all grinds us to a halt. Because there's no one strong enough in this church to keep marching with a bitter spirit. Well, in fact, and this is our last, almost our last thought here. Look what it says. Nor give place to the devil in verse 27. Another translation puts it this way. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. All sorts of bad things happen, you know, when we become angry and we lose it. I was reading about uh, Alexander the Great. He literally conquered the world, but he was unable to control his anger. Alexander had a friend and a general in his army named Cletus. On one occasion, Cletus became drunk and ridiculed the emperor in front of the men. Blinded by his anger, Alexander snatched a spear and threw it at Cletus. Though he had intended to scare him, the spear took the life of his childhood friend. As a result, Alexander was overtaken with guilt and attempted to take his own life. History records that Alexander fell into a deep depression and laid in bed for days calling for his friend. One historian writing about this event said, Alexander the Great conquered many countries, but he failed miserably to conquer his own self. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Listen. Listen. Don't let anger control you. Don't hold on to it. Now listen, you might say, you're talking to me, Pastor. Listen, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to me. It says here, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. What's that mean? You know, we're all trying to stay out of the way of the devil. And whenever I read that, verse 27, anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. this This is what I say it. You know, I think in our homes, we all want the door shut to the devil. You know, we want that door shut, locked, bolted. We want the devil on the other side. We want to have our family on this side. But the Bible says if we have anger in our heart, this is the way it works. The devil has a foothold. He can come at, at us. And so these are all things that we're learning. You know, I I know sometimes it's fun to be angry and to push people around, feel big. It's It's not fun to God. There are some things worth getting mad about, but not for long. It always leaves that little foothold open. And so you might say, well, how do do we really deal with this? I'll tell you what, there is not an angry spirit that the love of Jesus can't extinguish. Like pouring water on fire. You know, God is in the miracle business. He really is. And so my message to you today is this. Don't be discouraged by this. Be encouraged. Because we're all learning. And let's learn together as we grow together. Let's be willing to realize, listen, I do have a problem. But God and I are working on it together. And we're going to make progress. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning... Uh, God says you become a child of God now become a child of God start to work in these areas of your life I've given you the tools I've given you a new mind you do think spiritual thoughts I've given you a a softer heart that that convicts you I've given you all these tools that you have and I, I want you to to use these things And so just for a minute, let's ask God to take what we have seen here in his word this morning and apply it to our hearts. Say, Lord, uh, I got your message. This thing about thinking like you think and this thing about telling the truth. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. Uh, This year is going to be different. And let's take these things home and write them down in our prayer journal and begin to pray about them and and then see some progress because this is the will of God for you. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you how it performs surgery on our hearts because we know you would never tell us to do anything that's not good for us to do. We pray that we'll be able to apply these things in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing to the Lord If you'd like to come and pray about anything going on in your life, the life of a friend, just feel free to do that as we sing to Christ this morning.